This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Having some fun with you here on this Thursday night. Curtis Rogers and Jake Heaps, the guru himself. He's in the flesh tonight. In the flesh? Yeah. I mean, gurus, they kind of, you always think of them as like far off. Like you got to reach some certain, mis- mystical, y- yeah, some shaman type it, guy. I'll tell you what the the funny thing about the whole guru, guru word is, in my profession, in terms of like the quarterback training side of it, it's almost like a negative term because it's been used on so many like flash in the pan guys. Oh yeah, yeah. In, in the past, and, well, it gets used for all the guys that got hired this offseason, Cliff Kingsbury, and, right, right, yeah, offensive gurus and all that, and. And so, you know, usually you, you like to think of yourself more, at least I do, as, as a mentor than anything else. But, uh, you know, when you look up the word guru, mm. it is interesting. You know, enlightening others Ooh. to full understanding. I feel enlightened every time I'm around you and you start talking quarterbacks. I and- think it's something to live up to, to try and, I guess, goal a goal to work towards. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like... When you guys when it, when you guys say the word guru, it just motivates me. You know? Yeah, yes. You you tr- you want to get to that point but exactly. The journey along the way, you don't want to take it for granted. Hundred percent. And I hope that everybody is on that journey with me. That's that's why right? you gotta love Jake because <laughs> he's here to take us with him as he achieves full quarterback guru enlightenment. <laughs> It's getting a little weird here on this Thursday. Can't, hey, we're, but, have, hey, we're having fun. Eight, eight o'clock on a Thursday night. We Absolutely. appreciate you guys joining in. Hey, by the way, by the way, on the seven ten uh, Coors Light text line, we we need you guys checking in. We haven't we heard do. enough of uh, who's tuning in and where where you're tuning in from. So we we'd love to hear from you guys. Yeah, uh, shout it. We'll shout you out if you tell us where you're checking in from. Uh, reporting for duty tonight here on this Thursday night. But uh, earlier today on seven ten. Ryan Gustafson of the XFL Seattle Dragons, he joined the professor and was he was asked about a member of Seattle Sports at night. Now, I haven't tried out yet for the XFL. Still leaving that door open. You never want to close it because, you know, who who doesn't want this lefty arm that uh could probably throw the ball you know, 35, 40 yards, which, uh, you know, that, that, that might be impressive to, to some GM out there. He talked about my, my, my guru here. You know, I'm going to defer to Coach Zorn on that one, but I, I, I did see Jake slinging the rock around a little bit at our showcase, uh, and Zorn made it a point to say how great he looks. So uh, I'm not going to speak too much on that one, but uh, I think he made a pretty good showing. Hmm. Whoa. Hmm. Okay. I see you. I see you. You know, just trying to show off a little bit at the showcase, show these guys that, uh, you know, I'm not just some washed-up guy, that I, I could be part of the Seattle Dragons organization. Fire-breathing. He spits fire on the mic. He's throwing fire. For anything field. else, if I'm part of this team, you know that you're going to get Curtis and Stacy in the stands in Dragon yes. costume. Uh, so for anything else... Will we be like that's what those, I bring to the table? Those Chinese New Year dragons, where like one of us is the head and the other is the tail, and we're just <laughs> you know having fun in in the stands. Oh, I think we could do that. Oh gosh! I think for height purposes, I would have to be the head. Yes, for sure, because that just would look dilapidated. <laughs> that wouldn't be a very scary dragon with Stacy no. being the front of it. Yeah, yeah, be a very 
very small drag. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ryan Gustafson <laughs> shouting out our very own Jake Heaps today on seven ten. So he said it on the air, which means I think uh, you might be uh, in their you might be in their their thoughts. We'll see. You didn't want to. We'll, we'll see what happens. Too much. Though. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, it'll be it'll be fun seeing what what comes down the pipe here. And uh, it, it, again, it would be a blast to be able to play for Seattle and play, uh, you know, for the Dragons and and be a part of the you know first go around of this. So, um, hey, we're getting uh, people we che- are. T- uh, checking in here. I love it. Two five three checking in from Kent, and then we've got four two five a Skyline High alum. So Tony Wren. So you and I are our. Our neck of the woods has shown out tonight, so shout out to them. Superfan Ray from the 503 in Portland, Oregon, cleaning his garage. Shout out to you. 425, grilling burgers and tuning in with a cold one. Yeah, got, I mean. Yeah, I no, just hope no you're not grilling PB&Js. Grilling burgers sounds awesome. <laughs> well, grilling hey, well, PB&Js. Well, hey, 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 hey. Curtis. You can grill whatever you please, okay? And if it, that happens to be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you do you. Don't let... The slander of Jake Heaps and Stacy Ross deter you from doing that. We learned that last night. You can you can do whatever it is you want with with peanut butter and jelly. A lot more people checking in on the Coors Light text line. Glad to see you all stopping by. But week three of the Seahawks preseason, we're what just forty eight hours away. We're less than forty eight hours away, and this is our last opportunity with you uh, to tell you just what to watch out for in week three of the preseason. And Jake, we talked about it a little bit in four down territory. Uh, just who is on? Who, who's got the most to gain? Who's got the most to lose? But which position battle do you think is the most unsettled after two weeks of the preseason? Uh, honestly, the one that stands out far and above everybody else is the safety position. Um, and, and again, you would like to say strong safety or free safety. But that's the other twist to this is that it, it could be either or depending on the player that ends up getting called, meaning that Bradley McDougald is your for sure uh, starting safety, but he can play due to his um, ability to be multiple and the athleticism that he has. Um, he can play strong safety or free safety. However, he p- prefers to play strong safety. So you could see a Lano Hill, a Marquise Blair, a Deshaun Shedd, those guys playing strong safety and, and Bradley McDougal playing free safety, or you've got Tedrick Thompson that is your free safety and puts Bradley at strong safety. So that group to me is the most unsettled, the one that has not, and Curtis, honestly, there has not been anyone that has separated themselves. There hasn't been a guy that has really stood out above the rest and, and you know, multiple guys, one or two guys. It has been a very even competition and not necessarily in a good way right you want to start seeing guys separate at this point in time so uh, you're going to see Lano Hill come back we'll see what he's able to do Deshaun Shedd had a splash play with that huge uh, pick six last week Uh, Tedrick Thompson continues just to be Tedrick Thompson which is do his assignment and not necessarily be a big playmaking guy, but doing his assignment. And as of right now, if you were to ask me who is going to get that nod, it would be Tedrick Thompson just because of his experience. And also it moves Bradley back to strong safety. So there's a lot of answers that, that need to come from that particular position. Game three of the preseason. It's when we see starters go for the majority of the game, or at least half of the game. And the Chargers passing game with Phillip Rivers and their wide receiver core, you've got Keenan Allen as their big target. Uh, 
does that represent a good challenge for this unproven secondary, or is this something that makes you a little hesitant when you know that it's <laughs> Philip Rivers, a guy who's got uh, you know one of the most impressive track records of any quarterback over the last twenty years, and, and just how efficient he is throwing the ball? We saw it last right. year when they came up to Seattle and beat the Seahawks. So when you look at the challenges that the the Chargers will present. Does that make you a little hesitant with the secondary in the current position that it is? For sure, but also, Curtis, I'm not as nervous because these games don't count, ultimately. Yeah, right? Like it, it doesn't count. If this was the regular too. season, then, uh, yeah, I'd be very nervous from what this team looks like. But these are opportunities to see where, where they're at. These are litmus tests, right? And ultimately seeing guys, if they're able to separate, like Ugo Amadi, for example, a guy who's been able to make plays wherever he's been at and get him in a really prime position to make this roster and really compete for that nickel spot. Jamar Taylor is getting an opportunity to start at nickel, and and if he can perform well versus Phillip Rivers, he has a chance to cement that role on this team. So for a lot of guys, you're going to find out exactly where they sit on this depth chart uh, in terms of 1s and 1Bs. Uh, for this team, whoever's playing in that first half. So uh, big opportunities here for those guys uh, to really make things happen. And then I would say probably on the other side of the ball, the tight end room is one where you could really see things become solidified with the fact that Ed Dixon is hurt. If Jacob Hollister can come out there and perform and make some plays, I really think that that will lock up that room meaning that you have Nick Minnette, Jacob Hollister, and Will Disley as your tight ends moving forward. And then, obviously, the the receiver position, those last two spots for this receiving core is wide open, Curtis. Like, honestly, I have no idea the directions in which they can go. Gary Jennings has not stepped up. He has not made plays. Uh, you know, even though he was a fourth-round pick, he is not safe by any means. Um, you would love to see him make this roster off of the talent that he has, but if he can't produce, if he can't play, and doesn't have a great feel for the game like we saw in the past with Amara Darbo, then you need to you have to have players that can make plays, that have good feel, like John Ursua. John Ursua has made a couple really nice plays over the middle of the field, not only catching the ball, but then making somebody miss after that. You can't discount that, right? Um, and, and so it'll be really fascinating to see what they end up doing at that, at that, those last two spots, and and really, it's up for grabs, man. It's really up for grabs. So exciting! Really, couple couple positions here to really keep an eye on heading into uh, week three. We've got a, a lot more people checking in on the Coors Light text line here. We've got, uh, let's see here, uh, from the two five three, Christina from Tacoma, but she's originally from Kent. In fact, uh, Kent Ridge alum. Shout out to her. Okay, there you to go. The two five three. Uh, we've got Phil checking in uh, from the ferry to Kingston. Uh, rotating between us and a couple other people. So, I mean, as long as you keep us on the dial for as long as possible. Shout out to you. <laughs> the 509, uh, what's up, guys? Getting my enlightenment here in me. Oh, we we appreciate mean, you. Me? That's Adam Morrison territory. There we the go. 509. Duval in the house. We've got uh, Woodby Island. We love it. We yeah, love it, guys. A lot of, lot of great, great texts coming in. Make sure you get the text in for 845 when it's time for you to ask us anything that's right, anything. We do our best to answer everything. That's coming up at 8.45. 8.30, we got big if true. Does preseason football still serve the same purpose as it used to? We talk that about 20 minutes from now. But up next, the Mariners with not much to play for left in this regular season, but a couple of guys towing the mound this weekend. 
there's going to be a lot of eyes on. We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Eves, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Eves, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Does preseason football still serve the same purpose it used to? We answered that question in Big If True. That's coming up about 15 minutes from now. Yeah, somebody, look, looking forward to that conversation. Right somebody there. from ESPN making us think outside our minds with that one. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. But Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps with you on 710 ESPN Seattle. A couple of guys in the Mariners organization. I think one has a lot of expectations and one has continually let our expectations down. We're talking Justice Sheffield and Felix Hernandez. which And it's weird that we're talking these two guys because in spring training, if you, if you want to go back with me in our time machine here, those two guys, it felt like we're competing for the fifth spot in the rotation. And Felix beat out Justice Sheffield for it. Uh, Felix didn't make his first start of the year until midway through the, the team's first homestand. Sheffield sent down to AAA. And both of those guys really took their lumps after that. Felix, his ERA up near six. He gets the oblique strain, lands on the injured list. Turns out it's a little more severe than he had originally thought. He gets on the 60-day injured list. He His season gets put on pause for four months. Justice Sheffield gets sent down to AAA and, you know, just needed some seasoning down there. Who knows uh, what they really, you know, who knows what it could have been like had he made the, the roster out of spring training. You send him down to AAA, hopefully, like, things don't go haywire. Well, that's exactly what happened. He His ERA runs up near six. He gets just teed off, and Mariner's like, uh-oh, we've got an issue on our hands here. They send him down to AA. Things start to pick up for him and pick up in a way where he's back to his dominant self, where his ERA was just above two at the double-A level, a level in which you're probably going to see the best prospects in minor league baseball right there, where the competition is a little stiffer than it is at triple-A. Right, which is interesting, Curtis, because when you talk about that, you know, again, a guy that is just diving into this side of it uh, from the baseball, trying to learn the minor leagues and how ultimately what what that looks like. From just coming from the outside perspective, you look at a guy like Justice Sheffield, which was by all accounts being talked about from Jerry Depoto as a guy that can really step in towards the you know really the May part of the year and be a guy that is contributing to this rotation and being a bright spot. And then he goes backwards, right? And as soon as that happened, Curtis, it was like, whoa, you're talking about a rebuild in one of your key prospects. Is, is taking a step backwards. I mean, we're not talking about a 20-year-old kid. We're talking about a, a guy who's 23, still young, mm-hmm. still has a lot of room to grow, but, again, farther along as a prospect, was a, was a guy who was a fringe MLB player and then is now demoted to AA. And as you said when that happened and I was about to lose my mind, you said, yo, as you do, yo, <laughs> chill. This is this is sometimes you have to do this in order to to regain your stuff, regain your confidence, and it, it's not over for Justice Sheffield. And it turned out that that was the right move, at least for now. We don't know how Sheffield is going to respond to this latest promotion because we saw him earlier this season for just one outing at the major league level. He went three innings, struggled with his command, 
and was was bumped after that. I look at these two guys, and I want to know from the Coors Light text line, who are you more intrigued to see this weekend, Justice Sheffield or Felix Hernandez? And I think there there is a lot of fatigue with the Mariners fan base when it comes to Felix Hernandez because of the last couple of seasons. But on the other hand, this may be one of the last few times you get to see Felix Hernandez at T-Mobile Park. There's certainly no guarantee he's back with the organization next year because, I mean, this is the final year of his deal. And But on the other hand, he is a franchise icon. He is a surefire Mariners Hall of Fame. I'm not right. saying baseball Hall of Fame, but he's certainly going to be in the Mariners Hall of Fame when his career is is over and you know he's a few years removed from retirement. If you're a Mariners fan right now, who are you more likely to get excited over for a start? Right. I have I have two thoughts on this, Curtis. My my initial reaction is Justice Sheffield. He's the here and now. We are looking for him to be a part of this rebuild and and to me he's a key piece to how quickly this rebuild is going to happen. Right? You look at guys like Jared Kelnick and how fast they're moving, guys like Jake Fraley, you know, uh, those are guys that are determining whether this rebuild happens in 2020, 2021, right? Like that's that's where this is. So that's where my mind goes to. And the other part of it is I am excited to give Felix his due for everything that he's given to the Mariners. But like you just said, Felix Hernandez should be walking away with a Hall of Fame career. A Hall of Fame career. And he's not because of his recent performance when this organization was primed and ready and needed him the most. And I understand that, look, Felix Hernandez could have left. He could have went to the Yankees. He could have, you know, uh, bypassed the Mariners. He decided not to. And... The Mariners gave him pretty dang good reason not to. They paid him very, very well. A lot right? of money. They paid him very well. So let's not forget that, right? It, it wasn't just a saint job all the way, right? Um, he got paid very well by the Mariners, but he decided to stay. He gave us uh, great outings and had zero support. It was it was heartbreaking to see. But finally, you put together a roster and a club that is contending for the playoffs and a healthy Felix Hernandez, a on a, a, a Felix Hernandez in his prime pitches the Mariners into the playoffs and this drought is no more, right? And unfortunately, he did not do that. He did not deliver when the when the club was ready. So I, I think that it, it is hard to see how this has deteriorated, how it's ended, because to me, there's so much great to Felix Hernandez, the king, but there also is a little bit of a... It, it is tainted in some form or fashion, uh, in the way that this is ending for Felix, and it's and it's sad to see. It is. It, it definitely is because it, it's like seeing your favorite superhero without his powers, and y- no one wants to see that. No one wants to see Superman out of the cape. No one wants to see the Hulk go back into Bruce Banner. Like this is what it looks like now with Felix. He he's he's got the cape on, but the powers aren't there, and it, it's. It, it was so unfortunate to watch the last few years unfold, and this year it just kind of is just the last little bit he's got left. I mean, if he if he lands on another roster next year, it's not going to be probably for a major league contract. He's probably going to get a spring training invite, if, if anything, 
Because teams around the league know that Felix is not the same pitcher that he was. Right. And they probably have more intel on him than we do being in the media. We're not in the, the baseball circles, as it were, every single day. Um, I, I look at the two guys. To me, it, Justice Sheffield is far and away the more intriguing piece because you've got more of your future tied up into him. And you brought up... Jared Kelnick's development and Julio Rodriguez's and, and just how quickly they've shot through the system. That's one thing about baseball prospects that I think people need to keep in mind is that these guys develop at such different paces. Just because Jared Kelnick is shooting through the system the way he has, where he's played at three different levels this season, right. doesn't mean that's going to be the case for Logan Gilbert or Kyle Lewis, or Kyle Lewis, who's in, I think, his fourth year in the Mariners organization. Yeah, certainly, first ha- round pick. certainly hasn't been that way for him. No, it, like development time is so unique to each prospect. Just because one guy is going through the system as quickly as he is doesn't mean that's going to be the case for another guy. And I think people look at where Kelnick has gone this season, and they say, well, how come Justice Sheffield, who was supposedly this so close to the pro- to the major league level prospect, how come he hasn't been able to break through yet? Well, it turns out he needed to work on some things before he got to the big league level. And now that he has, has it would appear has shaken off that rust that followed him to the AAA level, I think now we're going to see a, a, a lineup, uh, or a, I think we're going to see him go up against a lineup that the Blue Jays have. And I think he could, I think he could look really well because you look at Toronto, they're another young team. They're a team that doesn't have a ton of veteran guys who have been in the big leagues for a long time. They're not the team that they were three, four years ago with Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion. This is a team that's also going through a youth youth movement of its own. Right. You've got Bo Bichette, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, uh, Reese McGuire, who the Coors Light text line pointed out from Kentwood High School. The longest tenured Toronto Blue Jays, Justin Smoke, and he's not exactly tearing the cover off the ball this year. And so... I think you got a young lineup that the Blue Jays have, a young pitcher like Justice Sheffield. I think it kind of evens things out to where Sheffield's like, well, I face guys like this all throughout my minor league career. Correct. And to me, it would be huge. Again, it won't be overreaction if Justice Sheffield comes out and just has a dominant performance. But for me, I hope that he's able to have a good outing just to build that confidence, to continue to build on that that progression that he was able to make in double A and, and be able to finish out this season strong. I do like this text though from the two oh six and I and I, I hear you. Looking forward to seeing Sheffield uh, to get a peek into the future, but I hundred percent want to see Felix regain King form one last time. And I believe I would love to see that happen too. It would be great to send him off on that positive note. However, I'm sorry to take a pessimistic view of this, but just the way that Felix has approached this I don't see that happening. I don't see Felix being able to end this on a high note right into the sunset for this simple reason, that Felix Hernandez's attitude through all of this has not changed. I mean, he has an outing. He, t- he had his uh, you know pitching rehab performance on the AAA level, less than stellar performance, and after the game is going, well, I don't know what's taking so long for them to get me back up there. It's like because you're not at the form that you need to be, uh, that they want to see you at, you know, it's it's that type of attitude that that is definitely concerning to me. But again, two oh six, I have that same feel. I want Felix Hernandez to end on that high note because he deserves that. He's given so much to this organization. Um, but again, it's just go. It, it, it's more of the reality of this situation and how Felix has deteriorated 
uh, so quickly in such a short period of time. We got week three of the preseason coming up here in just 48 hours. So how has preseason football changed in the NFL? Does it still serve the same purpose that it used to? Well, someone from ESPN today talking about that got us thinking in a big way. That's coming up next. Big if true. Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We're not lying when we say we need your text. The Coors Light text line, 710-710. I think some of you think we're joking out there, but we're not. That's coming up in about 15 minutes from now. Your questions, ask us anything to the Coors Light text line, 710-710. 360, kind of continuing our conversation we just had. Who are you more intrigued to see this weekend out at T-Mobile Park, Justice Sheffield or Felix Hernandez? Uh, We brought up how Felix Hernandez kind of wasted the Mariners' last couple of competitive seasons by not putting forth uh, his best year. The 360 says, well, the Mariners wasted Felix's talent. That's very true. That is 100% true. That is, you cannot argue that fact because. No, not at all. The, the majority of his career was spent losing one to nothing games. And, it, you know, it, it's just, it, it is maybe the most frustrating fan experience I have had in my time as a Seattle sports fan was watching. Felix Hernandez do what he did for as long as he did, and the Mariners never holding up their end of the bargain. And then when the Mariners finally held up their end of the bargain, it was Felix in turn who couldn't keep it together. It was just so frustrating and just hair pulling every which way. You could never have both. You know, it's like, oh, well, we, let's have ice cream, let's have cake, let's have both. Well, it never happened that way. Right. And, and and again, it is frustrating. That's the hard part of talking about Felix Hernandez here is that there is truth to that. Absolutely not disputing that in any sense of the form. But you also look at Felix and, again, at a not a old age, right? It's not like Felix is 35 years old. By the time he hit 29 years old, it really fell off a cliff for him in a, in a major way. So, yeah, it, it was frustrating uh, to, to see how Felix's career has panned out and, um, and and not getting a chance to pitch in the playoffs during his prime is an absolute shame. I agree with that. Um, and, and that's where you, you look at this organization and you hope that that never happens again, that you have a all-star player who is stranded on a roster that is not ready to compete. And that's what this rebuild is all about, is making sure that when you do have your superstar players on this roster and with this club, that you are competing and you are getting to the playoffs and hopefully getting yourself a chance to get to the World Series. It's big of true time. We do it every single night here, 8.30, uh, around 8.30. We're a little late on it tonight, but uh, you know, good Felix and Justice Sheffield conversation to be had. But uh, as we do each and every week, be, or each and every night, big if true, comes to us today from ESPN's Victor Cruz talking about preseason football. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Question to the room. That includes you listening and, and you on the Coors Light tax line. Does preseason football still serve the same purpose? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. Right now, the attitude of the NFL is that they're just trying to get through preseason. They're just trying to get through healthy. 
They don't really care about playing guys and, and really trying to find out the bottom half of the roster. That and, is an extreme view of it, but uh, I, I do think that there is major credence to what he has to say. Here's what he had to say about teams just being more concerned with escaping preseason intact. It's tough because now the preseason just become, okay, let's get out of this thing healthy. <laughs> let's yeah. let's not worry about these games. Let's play the guys that we want to play and evaluate. But let's make sure we get out of this unscathed so that week one we're firing at all cylinders and everybody's ready to go. Now, it leaves you at a certain – I just think – I don't think we need to do away with preseason games. I just need – I just think we should shorten it. I think there should be two games, two weeks of, of training camp, two games, one game for your veterans, one game for the younger guys. Because by then, you know what you have. Now, Victor Cruz said this before the Raiders-Packers game, which... (laughs) This only goes to... (laughs) Like, this only goes to bolster his point. Like, the Packers sat 33 guys tonight off their 90-man roster. Right. 33. More than a third of their roster sat tonight because they they didn't want them getting hurt. Aaron Rodgers didn't even suit up. And, I mean... How it's hard to argue against what Victor Cruz has said because Russell Wilson didn't play Week One. The Rams have become sort of this like new age thinking team across the NFL. Like we're not going to play our starters at all in all four games because they're so important to us and we can't afford to lose them at all in the regular season. When you look at the landscape of the NFL, Jake, as somebody who has been on a roster and someone who has played in preseason games. Did you ever get the sense from your team and your coaches that they were more concerned with keeping everybody intact rather than just in uh, being able to evaluate individual performances? I think this has really come on in the last two years that this has reared its head uh, in in this fashion. When I was playing, you really had a, a staff that was in the Jets who was really trying to figure out what they had and, and ultimately trying to put everything together. And then when you're with the Seahawks, Pete Carroll has always had the philosophy of always compete. And he has approached preseason far differently than the Rams. He would rather have his guys ramping up heading into the season rather than not getting any time at all. So uh, you are seeing a mentality shift here. Um, and, And with that being said, I think that what would be better, Victor Cruz talks about two weeks. I don't think that's enough practice time. I think three weeks of training camp and two preseason games would would be plenty for it would probably be the right amount for preparation for coaches getting ready for the season and then players also getting to evaluate and know how to pick the back end of your roster. Um, I, I believe that's the best way to go. But however, it has become harder and harder and harder to make a roster in the NFL. It, it is very evident on the quarterback side of things. Um, it is very evident um, now when you talk about these changes. When you play two preseason games, that means that you're going to give less time to the back-end guys on, on a roster. So you're not going to be able, as a scout, evaluate film of those guys and maybe pick them up on a different team. Uh, it, a lot of factors go into that. So what is going to be the answer when it's all said and done? I don't know. And and that also, if they were able to go to that format, the XFL would probably benefit a great deal from that. Um, but that's also, from the NFL owner perspective, there's some give and take. If you want less time, if you want less preseason games, then you have to give us that money back in return and give us two more uh, regular season games. And that's where this great debate happens because I'll tell you right now, when you have this conversation 
of playing an 18-game season with two of those games your starters aren't playing, none of those guys like that idea. No. None of them. None of them like it. I've talked to multiple players on the Seahawks roster, and they absolutely hate it. Hate the idea. It's either give me more money or this is the dumbest thing ever. I don't want to not play when games count and it affects our opportunity to get into the playoffs. Like, that's just silly. When I think when you hear Victor Cruz talk, people always think of him as just that steady wide receiver the Giants had, and he was making Pro Bowls and whatever, and a thousand yard seasons, and, and was just a really great pro for the duration of his career. People forget he went undrafted, and he was somebody that had to scratch and claw his way onto an NFL roster. And I think it was a game against the Seahawks in the preseason where he just went off and had like 150 receiving yards or something like that. He did. And also, uh, and more famously, the Jets were on hard knocks, and Victor Cruz balled out versus the Jets and had over 200 yards receiving, three touchdowns. I mean, that guy, you talk about opportunity, seized the opportunity, balled his way onto the roster, became this great player, but it only came through opportunity. And he talked about needing all four preseason games when he was trying to break into the NFL. I needed all of those games. You know, I needed to put my best foot forward in each and every one of those football games in order to just be seen. I mean, not and not just... Obviously, during training camp, the Giants see you and your respective team sees you and they understand what they have, but there's still a numbers game. You don't know, no matter how good you're doing, you don't know if you're going to make this final roster. So I needed every single game so I could put it on display every single time and see, and so other players and other teams can see my talent and my ability. And if it didn't work with this team, it would work with another one. You were kind of in a similar situation in your NFL career, going undrafted, did you ever feel like you needed every single preseason game to put forth the best game tape and put forth the, the best resume for your coaching staff to, to say, hey, this is what I have to offer? Or or did you kind of fall in line that a lot of you know players nowadays where it's like, just give us two games or, or just get rid of it altogether? No, I mean, in my position, I wanted to get as many opportunities as possible to show what I can do, give me as many drives let me get into a true rhythm in a game instead of just getting one series uh, and, and trying to show you something with that. Uh, it, you don't really get a true feel and a, and a true opportunity to show what you can do. Uh, so those four games are critical. And you look at this roster currently right now, I said this multiple times, Is Paxton Lynch is a great example of it. It's great that he flashed for one game, but the Seahawks organization needs to know if he can do it on a consistent basis. And what he showed in week one versus week two, that's not the same Paxton Lynch. That's not the same guy. And it goes back to that narrative of, okay, anybody can shine one time. Can they do it consistently? Can we count on you to be the constant performer if we're if we put you in that situation? Jazz Ferguson, another guy, popped off in week one. Week two, Pretty what quiet. happened? Mar- Marquise Blair, fun, exciting week one. Wasn't able to progress in week two. Obviously, part of that is injury, but the other side of it was he had a huge coverage bust down in the red zone and gave up a wide-open touchdown. Those are the things that you want to see, and those four games give your coaching staff the sample size needed to make a roster. And with those two games out, your those opportunities become that much more limited. It's going to be... I feel like the NFL is going to change... 
the length of the preseason within the next handful of years, whether it be at the whether it be the next CBA is coming up, Curtis. Yeah, twenty twenty, and by the sound of it, it sounded like there were productive talks between the two sides heading into training camp this year. Uh, but I mean, if they hack off the preseason and add it onto the regular season, I mean, then you run the risk of just you know. We've seen in years past people complain about the quality of play in the NFL, how it's not what it once was. Right. I feel like those arguments happen every single year, regardless of what's going on in the NFL. <laughs> right. But to add two more regular season games onto a schedule that guys by week 12 onward are, you know, they're just breaking down. You see more injuries later on in the season. You're going to say after week 12, there's still a third of the season left to be played? Yeah, that's, pr- that's, that's, that's brutal. A, that's a tough task. Tough, that's tough brutal task. right there. So, I mean, maybe uh, maybe just maybe things are about to change in the NFL when it comes to preseason football. We need your text questions at the Coors Light text line 710-710. It's time for you to ask us anything. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heap, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports at Night right here, 710 ESPN Seattle. Wrapping things up on this Thursday. We uh, will be with you on Monday here on 710 uh, as we, we have Friday nights off. That's just how it is. We're Monday through Thursday. But uh, Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps with you. Time for your text questions to the Coors Light text line. Let's finish it strong. Let's let's end this one on a positive note. It's been a positive note all season long, or all night long, all season long. What am I saying? Yeah, what are we talking about? We're... We're always in yeah, season. Yeah, we're Curtis. always in. There's no off season for <laughs> Seattle sports. No tonight. time to sleep in this studio. Not even a little bit. Uh, from the 206, what do you guys honestly think the Seahawks' final record will be this season? Whoa. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm prepared to answer that right now, um, but I do believe that this team is going to be a double digit win, win team. Uh, I do believe that they're still in this transition, this turning period. Where And what I mean by that is that you don't look at this roster and say, yes, this is a roster that is full of, of superstars. You're solidified uh, at every position where you can make a legitimate Super Bowl run. There's a lot of questions, a lot of answers that need to be made where it could be positive and it could be negative for you. Um, and, and I know that's not an amazing answer, but you look at Shaq Griffin. What is Shaq Griffin going to do? What is Trey Flowers going to do in year two? Because... I point to it every time. Shaq Griffin, we thought this this guy's trajectory, his ceiling was very, very high and takes a huge step back in year two. So what can he do in year three? What can Trey Flowers do in, do in year two? You're, you're relying on a lot of young guys right now, and that's, that's a key factor into how this team can be. But from an offensive standpoint, this is a Super Bowl contending offense, and that's why I believe this is going to be a ten a, a double-digit uh, win season. I think they go 10-6. and six. I think they go ten and six. Uh, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Their offense is going to be the strongest part of this team, and in the NFL, it is an offensive league, and we've seen it before. Teams go can go pretty far relying on their offense. At some point, you're going to need that defense if you want to compete for a Super Bowl title. Uh, the Seahawks, right now, to me, I don't know if they are well. 
I don't think they have a Super Bowl caliber defense. That's not to say it couldn't evolve into that at some point in the season. Right now, I got them pegged for ten wins. Uh, from the three six zero, have either of you tried the Popeyes chicken sandwich? Ooh, this is all the craze it, right now. Everybody is blowing up on it on social media. I have not yet. I have not. Have you? I have. You I've have. Had it. Okay, I've is actually it, had it twice. Really? Uh, yeah. Is it that good? It is so good. Get the spicy. It really? Is, oh my goodness! It, how is it compared to Chick Fil A? Because I'm a big Chick Fil A fan. I'm a big Chick Fil A guy too, but it it's encroaching on Chick Fil A's territory. Wow! Like it's that good. And the yeah. okay, okay. Like I, I never thought I'd say it, but like Chick Fil A's got some competition for uh, for your boy right now because Popeyes came with it. Uh, so that's pretty big time. Shout right out there. to them. There, there have been tweets from people all across the country of like signs on doors at, at different Popeyes restaurants. Like we're out of this sandwich. Like come back on Friday when we get a new shipment of buns in or something. Uh, there's pictures of like Popeyes employees just hands on knees on their break, just like I am gassed from making sandwiches right now. It is, it is sweeping the fast food nation. That's crazy. It I, got, I got to try it. Now I got to make sure I get to it. I saw a tweet before we went on the show that Melvin Gordon tried to go to uh, Popeye's to get, get this uh, chicken sandwich, and it was sold out. Yeah. So I hope that doesn't happen to me because I, I, I legitimately got to go make that happen. I'm like, what's wild? So I went to the one in Renton the other day, was able to get it, went at lunchtime, normal hour, not too big of a line. Also went to the one in Federal Way last Saturday. So. Like maybe you gotta hit up those locations. Maybe I'm giving away too much. Like maybe that means less for me. But it's it's real. And if Popeyes wants to cut the check, I'm I'm listening. Like hit, hit your boy up. Uh, from let's see here, we got uh, from the four two five. Jake, what was or what is your favorite play to run? My favorite play to run. Give us the the actual play as you remember it. Not just not like I throw it to the running back. Like, what is the play name? Um, let's see. I mean, I would think, I, I would say that obviously for every quarterback, it all, all goes as a great call. Um, you know, it'd be gun spread right to Jed Aggie. Um, oh, of I course. Think, I think that I would mean, be, that'd be a, a, a great call. Um, I was a big fan of, when I was at BYU, we used a lot of running back options. So right, that would be uh, blue right 95. That was a, that was a fun one for me. Um, you know when you go to uh, when you go to the Patriots system. Uh, when I was with Charlie Weiss, I was a big fan of uh, double posts. So it was oh, uh, man, yeah. it was gun trips right, uh, sixty four scan, uh, topper x comeback, halfback leak. Uh, and then you know you go to uh, go to the Seahawks right now, and you love seeing their big play action concepts. And and uh, you know I, I love watching them really work on those deep crosses. So. You know, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to like, but I would go to the first one. All goes, gun spread right to Jet Aggie. There is nothing more foreign to like me than names of play calls that are like reading sheet music. Those two things, I'm completely <laughs> no, lost. no chance I could read. Sheet music. I mean, like, yeah, to Aggie, sure, we'll do that. Let's go. Ready, break. I just need to know my assignment. Where am, where am I going? So, Jake, on so this get play? this Aggie right. Yeah, a. GG all goes. A for all, GG's for go. Okay. All, Aggie. 
All right. So you try to piece it. To, there you we know, go. Some, some play calls make a ton of sense. They try and put it together like that. Like Topper, two posts, right? Okay. You got a T word with two, two Ps, right? Posts, double posts. Um, but there are some plays that make no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, and some plays when you explain them like that, still little gray area there. Two hundred six chiming in on the Coors Light text line. They're reporting from a drive-through line of Popeyes in Puyallup, and they say the sandwich is sold out. Wow, this is intense, man. It's intense. I feel like I'm missing out. Like by the time I get to this, I'm never going to see a chicken sandwich. There have been. I've seen pictures and videos online of people like trying to buy from Popeyes and then in the parking lot selling them like no upcharging way. them yeah no way like for 20 bucks yeah <laughs> and people are actually buying it yeah that's cuz they know just the demand for it is no just way insane is it right that now. no way you wouldn't if someone tried to sell me a $20 chicken sandwich <laughs> to me that's that's fight worthy or do you do you think that's an insult to my intelligence come on it ain't that good. Yeah, oh, man. No way. Oh, man. I don't know. It's really good, Jake. It is really good. <laughs> That's going to do it for us here tonight on Seattle Sports at Night. If you missed anything, check the podcast page, 710sports.com. We'll be back with you next week. For the guru, Jake Heaps, I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.